Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Last time he left, Paul, he was on the Isle of Crete, and he was in a little port town called Fair Havens, which sounds great, but the pilot of the ship that he was on, remember, he's trying to get to Rome, okay, and he's under the guard, basically he's a prisoner of the centurion Julius who has to get him to Rome so that he can preach Jesus to Caesar, Now, Julius doesn't know he wants to preach Jesus to Caesar, right? He just wants to get him to Rome, to put him in prison so he can go through the court system and argue his case. But Paul's ultimate goal is to get to Rome so that he can spread the good news about Jesus and in particular preach before Caesar himself. And that's his goal, and that's what God has laid on his heart, and that's where he's headed. And so here he is on a boat, the prisoner of Julius the Centurion in this small island called Crete in an even smaller town called Fair Havens. But it is late fall. It's around October, November, and Paul knows and other maritime sailors know the Mediterranean is no place to sail at this time of year. The sea currents are dangerous, the wind currents are dangerous, but the captain of the boat, he does not want to winter and stay the rest of the time in Fair Havens. He gets it, he shouldn't sail all the way to Italy, try to cross the Mediterranean, so he's going to have to winter it out, but Fair Havens is no place to do that. You know, they don't have the finest harbor, the finest hotels, they don't have the Motel 6, Super 8, Holiday Inn, you know, you just have to sort of find shelter on your own, and he knows just down the coast is this little city called Phoenix, which is a much better harbor. And it's on the same island. They can easily do that. The captain is trying to persuade Julius, the centurion, and all his guards and all his soldiers that this is what we need to do. But Paul, maybe he had a direct revelation from God, or or maybe he just has a sense because he's been shipwrecked twice already. And maybe he knows better than anybody else, don't risk it. Let's just stay here. Don't go. It's not worth it. In fact, he tries to tell Julius that, that it's not worth it. Don't do this because something bad is going to happen to us. And he's trying to persuade them. It says there in Acts 27 that Paul says, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss. But it says that Julius... Man, he didn't want to stay here in Fair Havens. He wanted to get down the coast, and it's not that far, and so he was persuaded by the captain. And then the next day, it was just a soft wind that blew. So, hey, maybe the weather will turn in our favor. 
And so everybody hopped out on the boat and they were like, yes, it's a nice soft wind. We can just get down the coast to Phoenix and it'll be great. And they set out for a little bit and they got a little bit away from the coast when all of a sudden, Paul looks up and barreling down on them is Euroclidon. No, it's not some big dinosaur, Godzilla-type monster. No, Euroclidon is the term that they gave back then for the typhoons in this area. In particular, this typhoon, the cyclonic system coming from the north, was they named it. It came so regularly, they named it Euroclidon, and here it came, and it hit their boat and and push them out even further, further and further away from the coast. And Paul's thinking, I told you so. I told you so. This is what's going to happen. And the waves started getting bigger bigger, and the wind started going stronger and they could not get back to land. So they're like, all right, let's see what we can do. So they pulled in the boat, this little boat that they would always have sort of trailing behind them in case of uh, emergencies and they had to get out while well, they, they pulled it back in and got it on the boat because it was starting to cause them difficulties in sailing and and then they strapped the boat they dropped ropes and pulled it all the way under and back up the other side and they tied it together and they they strapped the boat repeatedly to try to keep the wood together because back then ships weren't made out of metal right they were made out of wood and the waves were breaking against the boat and they're trying to go in this direction and it's getting worse and worse and then finally they're like you know we're gonna be dashed upon the rocks of the coast because the wind is starting to catch our sails and so the captain understands i've got to drop the sail and just be driven by the waters driven where we're at away from the dangerous coast at this point so he drops all the sail and he drops all the rigging and they get pushed further and further away from Crete out into the middle of the Mediterranean and it is dark and they can't see a thing. Imagine rain pummeling you and strong winds and you're not certain where you're going. Well, on the third day, it says it got so bad that they're starting to take on too much water and they're like, all right, let's get rid of the cargo. And they chucked over the chairs and the china and the and the wheat that they brought all the way from Egypt and they chucked over everything that was heavy and they just began to be driven further and further out into the Mediterranean. And on the third day, it was getting dark and they couldn't see a thing. Imagine you are being driven in the middle of the storm and you don't know where you're at. Well, I can imagine Paul being tossed back and forth on the deck of the boat and so he goes under the deck there and he begins to try to sleep, try to get some strength to carry on fighting the storm. When he feels, I think, a tap on the shoulder. And in the middle of his fear, he turns around and he sees an angel. An angel of the Lord, it says in Acts 27. And an angel of the Lord maybe made him stand up and said, Paul, don't worry. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. You are going to make it. 
trust me, you are going to preach before Caesar himself. Everybody on this ship is going to be okay because, Paul, you must stand before Caesar, as it says there in Acts 27, verse 23. You are going to stand before Caesar himself, so do not worry. Everything will be fine. Every soul on this ship will survive. Every soul. Paul thought to himself, I wonder how many souls that is. And so the angel of the Lord tells him, there are 276 passengers on this boat. Paul, I just want to tell you that none of them will die. Don't worry, Paul. You're going to preach before Caesar. Then the angel of the Lord disappeared and it's around the third day and Paul runs up to the deck and he probably comes to the main sail there, the main post in the middle of the ship and he gathers everybody around him as the rain's pummeling him and they're all discouraged and they're all down. And Paul stands up before them and he says, do not worry this very night and tells them the whole story of how an angel came and talked to him and said that all 276 passengers will be safe. Do not worry. He did add, which I think is interesting. I told you guys not to do this, but you didn't listen to me. I told you so. I told you not to do this, but you went ahead and did it anyway. But because an angel of the Lord came to me and said, you've got to stand before Caesar because of you, Paul, the rest of these passengers, these 276 passengers will not die. You're going to make it to Rome. And I want to pass that message on to you. You know, I think it's interesting because Paul was doing right. He blessed others around him way back in the book of Genesis. God comes to Abraham and says, you know what? If you follow me and obey me, I will make you a blessing and you're going to bless other people. And Abraham stepped out in faith and did that. Well, Paul later writing in the epistles says that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a person who stepped out in faith to follow Jesus, to say he's my Lord, you're now one of Abraham's children. And guess what? You're going to inherit some of those promises that he's given to Abraham are some of yours as well. And one of those is this, that you're going to be a blessing. I'm going to put Christians all over this planet in various cities and various places, and I'm going to bless them. And in that response, then you need to bless others. And I think you see that right here with Paul. Paul had to preach before Caesar. God was going to make sure he got there. And because he was on that boat, guess what? He blessed others and they were all going to be safe. But guess what? Ugh, the boat's still rocking and it is dark. And it's only the third day and they don't know what's going to happen. And then it says, Acts 27, 27. When the 14th night had come. So Paul's encouraging him on day three that you're all going to live. But they're in the boat 14 days. And as they're being driven across the sea, they can't see a thing. See, back then they didn't have electronics. They couldn't go up to radar and see where they were. The only way sailors could navigate the waters back then 
was with basically these compasses where they would look at the stars and try to work out where they were going. And, and then they could work out, you know, um, um, okay, I've got to go in that direction and that direction based on the stars, based on north, west, and all this stuff. Well, if it's pitch black for two straight weeks, if you are being bombarded with water, you can't see a thing. Guess what? You have no clue where you're at. Well, on the 14th day, I think these men on the boat held in their heart. Paul, he said we're all going to live. He follows this God named Jesus. He seems to know what he's talking about. You know, I also think it's interesting, too. Paul was a prisoner, right? He's a prisoner. But in the middle of the storm, who's the one directing people where to go, what to do? It's Paul. Who's the one Julius is listening to? It's Paul. Paul is in charge. He is a natural leader, and people look to him for leadership. It's really interesting to me. Well, on the 14th day, the sailors on the boat... They begin to sense the sound of the water is different. They start to hear that the waves sound different. Not the waves that you hear in the middle of the ocean, but these are waves that are starting to, to sound like they're, they're hitting the rocks on an island. <gasps> there might be an island out there, but we can't see it. We can't see a thing. And so... I wonder how far we are out from the island. And so they took this rope and they did what are called soundings. They would have this rope with a piece of lead on the end and they would drop it over the side of the boat and they'd let it fall all the way to the bottom. And then they would pull it in and there were knots on the rope and each knot on the rope was a fathom. And so as they got near the island, they found out that they were 20 fathoms deep, which comes to 120 feet in our terms. If you're getting closer to islands, those fathoms should get shorter and shorter. So they took another sounding later on and they found out... This is 15 fathoms. We're only 90 feet deep. We're getting closer and closer to this island. But it is dark. And they don't know what this island is. And they don't know where they're at. And they're still being tossed to and fro. So the captain grabs one anchor. And all the men, they throw it overboard. Chunk. So it starts to drag on the bottom of the ocean. Then they take another anchor. Chunk. And they throw it overboard. And starts to drag then they take a third anchor throw it overboard and chunk it hits that sand and starts to drag them because they do not want to crash against the side of this island against the rocks and break up at least not yet till they can see and then finally they take a fourth anchor having four anchors just drag the bottom of the ocean to slow them down so that they don't break against the island and they're just waiting for daybreak they're just waiting for daybreak they want to make a run for land but they're just waiting for daybreak and then paul notices something paul notices something he notices that some of the soldiers under the pretense of working with the anchors were lowering the boat to get off the ship to escape well, Paul runs over to Julius and he says, listen, you cannot 
let those soldiers escape. He says to the other soldiers around Julius, you've got to stop those men getting off the boat. Remember, all 276 souls, the angel of the Lord said, they'll all be safe. Well, don't let them off the boat because they're going to die. And Or maybe we need their help to complete this mission. If we're going to see everybody saved, those soldiers, those wimpy guys, they can't escape. No, we need everybody on deck working hard. Julius, you got to stop that. So Julius runs over and they stop those soldiers from escaping. Dawn begins to break and they see there it is, an island. This is the island of Malta, okay? Now, Malta is in the middle of the Mediterranean, but it is this teeny little island. And the chances of this boat finding Malta with no sail, just being driven there, are like a million to one or even greater. It's absolutely phenomenal that they were there. Do you think that's coincidence? I don't think so. Well, the, the dawn breaks and they see the island. And they're like, all right, we have got to make this island. This is it. This is our chance. And they are, the wind's blowing. And again, they've got four anchors down. So the captain says, all right, raise the mainsail. So they raise the mainsail. And the minute they unfold the sail, boom, that wind hits it. And they chop one anchor off. And they chop another anchor off. And they chop the third anchor off. And finally, they chop the fourth anchor off. And they are driven towards the island. They are going to make it. They're going to make safe passage when all of a sudden, bonk, it hits a sandbar. Just as they're about to make it safe to shore, they hit a sandbar. And the waves begin to break that poor boat to pieces. And Paul says, everybody overboard, grab a piece of wood, float, swim for the shore. And they all start to swim. And Paul jumps in and swims. And finally, he gets up to the shore and drags himself ashore and stands up. And he begins to count. One, two, Three. And I'm wondering if he's running up and down that, that, that coast, wanting to make sure that, that everybody was safe. And he finally counts them all, and it was all 276 people that were safe. And he was so excited. They had made it. And they were now on the island of Malta. All 276 people safe. And he says in Acts 28 that the people there, they treated him with such kindness. They even had a fire going and, and welcomed them all because, you know, they knew it was rainy and cold and they wanted to help these survivors and they built a fire for them. And, you know, it's interesting. These people were probably called barbarians. And it's interesting. We, we get the word barbarians because... Back then, in Rome, you spoke Italian or some version of Latin. You spoke some language that everybody understood. Well, the people outside of Rome, they spoke other languages. And if you had to simulate what they're saying, it just sounds like they're saying bar, 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 bar. Well, this word native there, this could literally be barbarians, right? And this is where we get this term barbarians from is because bar, 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 bar. They sound like they're saying bar, bar. And so eventually people said, hey. 
let's just call them barbarians. And it's it's not really a nice term, I would say. It's basically saying you're not one of us, but these barbarians, these people that were uncouth, they showed such kindness to Paul. They showed such kindness to the survivors of the shipwreck. And they began to build them a fire and to keep them warm and to help them recover from the shipwreck. And it started to rain. And, well, Paul got some wood to put on the fire. Well, as he collected that wood, all of a sudden, out of that wood leapt a viper, which is a type of snake, a very incredibly poisonous snake. And the snake bit him. Oh. <gasps> And all the people there thought, he's been judged by a god. He's been judged by the goddess Justice, in fact. They believed in various gods and goddesses, and one of them was this goddess Justice who enacted revenge on bad people, and she had sent this viper to bite him to enact revenge for some bad thing he had done. And so at first the people thought, he must be evil. Well, instead, God used it to show that the God Paul serves, that's the one that you should follow. When they saw him bit, they said in Acts 28 verse 4 that he must be a murderer. This goddess justice has not allowed him to live, but he shook it off. And they're waiting for his hand to swell up, it says there in Acts. They're waiting for him to die. But when they waited and waited, and in fact, he's healed. It says they changed their minds. And, and in fact, they start calling Paul a god. You must be a god. If you can fight off the goddess justice and not die, and you're not even being killed by a viper's bite, you must be a god. Well, Paul... Instead of taking all the glory to him, no, he consistently pointed back to Jesus. And it says later that the chief of the island, the chieftain, the man in charge, his name is Publius, which is a cool name. Paul got to witness and tell Publius all about Jesus because Publius took care of him for three straight days. It says there in Acts 28 verse 8, the father of Publius was sick with a fever. Paul prayed over him and put his hands on him and healed him. And the rest of the people of the island, when they heard Paul was healing in the name of Jesus, started to come to him for healing and to be cured, to be cured of their sickness. What an opportunity for Paul to share the gospel with the people of Malta. What an opportunity through the help he provided. What a blessing he was to the people around him because he chose to follow Christ. Well, Paul stays for three months on the Isle of Malta. Basically winters it out till it is safe to get to Italy into Rome. This is his third shipwreck, right? He does not want to sail again until he knows it is completely safe for them to go. Well, basically Acts 28 is the last chapter in Acts. And this is the last we hear of Paul. And we're not certain what happened to him, okay? We do know he was imprisoned in Rome for a period of time. 
Some people think he was later released and got to travel all the way to Spain, which at that time would have been the uttermost part of the earth. Would have been as far as you could get geographically and know where you're going. He went as far as he could. Some people believe that. Other people believe, no, he was basically imprisoned the whole time in Rome. But many people believe he did get to preach to Caesar, and he spoke about Jesus in front of the mighty emperor himself. But one of the things that we do know for sure, that we are certain about, is that Paul was later martyred for his faith. Paul, we do know later, was killed for his faith in Jesus. And he died a martyr's death. But as it says there in the book of John, Jesus says, If you follow me, you will surely never die. You won't die if you know the Lord is your Savior. And Paul passed from this life into the arms of his Savior, who he represented and wrote about the rest of his life. And he's with Jesus right now. And man, what a story. What an encouragement for us to do right to keep on doing right, to follow Jesus. Because if you choose to follow Jesus, man, the adventures he will take you on. Hopefully you'll never be in a shipwreck, but he got to be on a boat. He got to be on an island. He got to speak before Rome. He got to travel around the world. All because he chose to follow Jesus and followed him wherever God said to go. But I also think one of the big lessons from today's story is Paul ended up being a blessing to Julius the centurion, to the soldiers around him, to the people on the boat, to the people of the Isle of Malta, to Publius the chieftain, and to his father. And he was a blessing all because Paul decided to obey Jesus and to follow him. I will bless you. Therefore, be a blessing. And I hope as Christians that wherever God has placed you in your orbit of influence, that you are a blessing. One of the best ways to be a blessing, right, is to tell others about Jesus, to invite them to come and see who this Jesus is, to listen to his claims, to have them decide for themselves if they want to follow him or not, and then find ways to serve others, to be a blessing over and over and over again. Till one day we get to be with him. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.